And good afternoon, producer Susan. How is your how are life changing today? Uh, all right, if I can get technology to work. <laughs> technology to work. Well, let's go to something non-technology. Did you buy any pumpkins yet? I did not get any pumpkins yet. Well, but for I, you may have seen this, but I put it up uh, when you're when you are done with your pumpkins, um, don't throw them in the trash. Break them open and throw them in your backyard because the deer love them. They're great deer food. Oh yeah. So um, if you are going to buy pumpkins when you're done with them, just smash them open and throw them in your backyard if you live in an area where you have deer. Oh right. yeah, absolutely. All right, today's uh, October seventeenth. I heard you broke down and turned your furnace your furnace on, huh? Uh, on Sunday, yeah. The the cold <laughs> rain had to had to do that. By the way, yeah, Penn State played had a football game on Sunday, didn't they? Apparently, we did. So it was a football game in the cold and rain, and they wound up. What was the score? They wound up beating Massachusetts by sixty three to zero. Sixty three to nothing. Is that a new record for Penn State? Uh, actually, I don't believe that it is. <laughs> well, it looks like they're off to. Are they what five and zero, six and zero now? Six and zero. Six and zero. Wow. So, how many more games before they lock up a bowl game? Oh yeah, no, we're already there. Oh, you're already there. All right. But next weekend we're playing Ohio State, and we're both going in six to zero. Wow. All right, that'll be one to a home or away. It's at Ohio State, so it's going to be a tough road game. Wow. All right. You're not going there, are you? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> Watch your All right. So you want to hear what we're going to try to talk about today? What's on the agenda? All right. By the way, I made a last minute change, but uh, here's uh, anyway. It's the. Uh, the situation with Jersey Joe, it's uh, it's news and perspective and some stories you won't hear on TV. In fact, this week I have two stories you won't hear on TV. I, I know you didn't hear about these stories on TV. Our quote of the week is from Napoleon Bonaparte on whether or not stupidity is a handicap. Um, we'll revisit a topic we told you about four months ago on how the rapid rise in interest rates is blowing a hole in the federal is in the federal budget. We'll tell you about a 25-year-old Israeli woman who last week single-handedly killed five Hamas terrorists and helped civilians in a kibbutz defeat a terror attack by 25 armed Hamas terrorists. Do you know any 25-year-old women could kill, single-handedly kill five terrorists? Uh, well, we did talk briefly last week. Uh, I do have a very good friend who was born and raised in Israel, woman, female, and uh, the Israelis are required to serve in the army. So you think she could kill five terrorists oh, by yeah. herself? Okay. All right. We'll tell you that was a great story. Um, in our, you didn't hear this on the news segment. We'll tell you which U.S. envoy to which foreign country has been suspended without pay and why, and ask why the mainstream media news, uh, why the mainstream news media didn't think you needed to hear about this story. I, I mean, to me, when a foreign envoy gets, you know, by the way, suspended without pay is basically you've been fired um we fired you you know and we're and uh, pending some sort of criminal indictment um and it's a, it's a huge story but for some reason the mainstream media didn't cover it and another you didn't hear about this in the news segment we'll tell you how many emails uh vice president joe biden exchanged with his son hunter and his brother james while he was vice president and asked the question are his claims in light of this new material are his claims that he had no knowledge of and never discussed his son's Hunter's business dealings actually credible? We'll tell you how many legal, illegal aliens from middle from the Middle East have entered this country in the past 24 months. Uh, the their numbers and the countries they are coming from may shock you. Uh, we'll tell you in what city an illegal alien last week murdered two different people on two different days, 
and how many times he had been previously deported before committing those two murders. Uh, we'll tell you about the latest national FBI crime statistics for 2022 that just came out yesterday, and we'll tell you who's getting murdered and what types of weapons are, are being used to kill them. And our taxpayer lead shot comes to us from Sonomas County, Washington, where an 80-year-old woman shoots and kills a home invader who had broken into their house and stabbed her 75-year-old husband. I think that's a new record. We've never had an 80-year-old taxpayer relief administered by an 80-year-old woman, have we? I don't believe that we have. <laughs> All right. You think we can get through it? Uh, it sounds like a lot, but I'm sure you will. All right. So here's it. We all know who Napoleon Bonaparte was, right? Mm-hmm. No, well, actually, is... I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> the Emperor of France? Okay. You say so. I believe you. Napoleon. We all know Napoleon. Oh, Napoleon. Yeah, 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 yeah. His last name was Bonaparte, the short I guy. I did not Napoleon. know that. I did not know that. Napoleon Bonaparte, the short guy. All right. And this was translated because he said it in French, you know, originally. Um, and here was this quote that he in, translated from the French. And he said, in politics, stupidity is not a handicap. What do you think about that quote? Yep. And True. by the way, I, th- I think a perfect example is this fiasco we have going on in, in this, with the uh, Speaker of the House right now. Matt Getz, who I think is an idiot, he was the one who instigated um, removing uh, Kevin um, McCarthy as Speaker. He had no plan. He didn't think past what happens next. It was the stupidest move. It's not the stupid. It's, in my opinion, his in his uh, move to to remove Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, was one of the most asinine, poorly thought out uh, political moves uh, I've heard of in a long, long time. What did he think was going to happen? You know, after he got he got. McCarthy voted out as speaker. Look at where we are now. Um, yeah, I don't know what was going through his mind. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a play like that, you you ought to have it thought out. Like, okay, and after this happens, then what? Well, who's going to replace him? Who's your shoe? And he didn't think this through. It was pure ego, pure fundraising. Uh, and by the way, he's just one of many. And you look at how many other stupid people we have in politics right now. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Lauren Boebert, but it's not just limited to Democrats, Republicans, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, these people are all, in my opinion, incredibly stupid, yet they keep getting reelected. How about the guy, uh, Hank, is it Hank Johnson? Is it from uh, Texas, who was worried that if you put too many people on one side of Guam, the island might tip over? We've, we played that <laughs> clip, right? I don't remember that one, but that's, that, that's, you can't make this stuff up. Well, you've, you've heard him say, right? He was, yeah. Yeah. It was during a congressional hearing, and he asked he asked the general that he had, and he was serious, dead serious. Well, my, one of my concerns is if we put all these men and equipment, you know, is there any risk of Guam tipping over? I mean, the guy literally said that, and yet he's been reelected to Congress a half a dozen times since he made that idiotic, uh, uh, you know, question about Guam tipping over. And, and that's the quality of the people we have in politics right now. And this other guy... Uh, George Santos, the Republican from Long Island, who turned out to be a liar and a cheat and a con man. Oh, my God. It just it just blows my mind. So, yes, Napoleon was right. Uh, in politics, stupidity is not a handicap. And unfortunately, how sad it, how sad is it that he was 100 percent correct? All right. Any comment before we move on? Nope. You can't fix stupid. 
can't fix stupid, but unfortunately you can elect it. All right. I believe it was back in February. I predicted that the rise in interest rates in, in the, was going to blow a hole in the federal budget. I don't know if you remember that, that segment we did. Mm, uh, I feel like February is such a long time ago. <laughs> well, you know, back then I, I, I pointed out that um, the blended interest rate on our national debt, which at the time, by the way, was uh, adding about $400 billion a year. Uh, it's a $400 billion, it was a $400 billion item on our federal budget, was based upon a blended interest rate of about 1.8%. Uh, uh, um, and what I pointed out is that as interest rates on treasury bonds rises, not only will that interest rate affect the new debt that we add each year, and this year, you know, we're going to add two, two, by the way, we're already into the fiscal 2024, but mm -hmm. in fiscal 2023, which ended September 30th, we added just shy of two trillion additional to the national debt. And this year, we're now into fiscal 2024, we're going to add a little over $2 trillion in new debt. And of course, the interest rates on, on the Treasury bonds right now is around 5% uh, versus you know the, the old 1.8, 1 1.9%. So you think, okay, well, what's another $2 trillion at 5? You know, if you've got, if you already have $33 trillion at, you know, 1.8. Well, here's the issue. A lot of that federal debt was financed with short-term, two-year, five-year, two-year and five-year bonds. And the reason that the U.S. Treasury was doing that is when they auction off Treasury bills, historically, the interest rate on the short-term bonds was always much, much lower than on the long-term bonds, you know, the 10 and 30-year, 10, 20, and 30. So the U.S. Treasury was financing most of our federal debt with short-term bonds. Now, where that comes back to bites in the butt is every year about 25% of our federal of our existing federal debt has to it matures and rolls over and has to be refinanced so in addition to the 2 trillion of new debt that we have to finance at 5 or 4.8% we have about 7 trillion of old debt that has matured and we have to replace so this year it's not just two we're going to have to uh, sell nine trillion dollars nine trillion dollars of treasury bonds at 4.8 4.9 percent interest rate which is more than triple the old 1.8 and here's a quote and this is a quote from a, a, an analysis an upward shift in long-term interest rates is putting the government on track to spend much more in interest payments in the coming years than was anticipated just a few months ago if current rates stay high and fiscal policy matches current forecasts, the cost of servicing those debts will surpass defense spending in 2025. Think about that. We will spend more on servicing the interest in the debt than we do on the military. And we'll top Medicare spending by 2026, which is the next biggest budget item. In the current fiscal year, interest spending is on track to surpass, wait for it, 800 billion that's 800 800 800 billion in interest payments alone which is more than double the 2021 total of 352 billion in 2026 the government's net interest expense 
would be expected to reach 3.3% of gross domestic product, the highest on record. In July, the CBO, the CBO's fiscal Congressional Budget Office fiscal projection assumed that 10-year U.S. Treasury bonds would yield only 3.8%, which is about where securities were trading at the time. Since then, the 10-year yield set new modern record highs, surpassing 4.8% on October 6th. In fact, it was 4.7 on Monday morning. Uh, so some $207 billion in U.S. Treasury matured in this month. This month alone, $207 billion in Treasury notes matured that they're originally issued in 2021 and 2018. Their weighted average interest rate was just, for this was just 1.2%. 1.2%. So we're refinancing 1.2% debt with 4.8% debt. Can you can you just comprehend what that's doing? Yeah, that's, I can't even do the math. When you said about nine trillion, and there's 330 million people in the United States, I can't. I was trying to do the math of how many 330 million people into the nine trillion. Okay. Well, again, that's just the debt we have to refinance this year. And yeah, yeah. and the, but you know, regards to who buys it, might have foreign. China buys our national debt. France buys our national debt. Country, you know, Saudi Arabia buys our. If you have a lot of money and you want to park it in a safe investment. You buy U.S. Treasury bonds. So, and by the way, insurance companies buy uh, national debt. Uh, college endowment funds buy U.S. Treasury bonds. But the point is, you know, you're talking anywhere from 4.8 to 5.1 percent interest on U.S. Treasury bonds right now, depending on whether you want to buy a two-year, five-year, ten-year. So, the the point is, uh, you, we're going from bonds that had a 1.2 percent interest rate to a 4.8 percent interest rate. And we're now going to be spending more on just the interest than we are in the military, more than $800 billion. It is frightening, and it's not sustainable. So any comments on that before we move yeah. on? You know, if this was a, a human, we, you wouldn't be putting yourself into debt like that. But yet, as a country, it's for some reason, it seems to be okay. It seems to be okay. And it's not sustainable. It has to end. Absolutely. It is not sustainable. Um, and, uh, you know, there comes a point where... By the way, this is what Venezuela did to the point where they devalued their, they kept borrowing money and borrowing money to the point where their currency became worthless. And I think we've talked about this one of our earlier podcasts in the, uh, the, the Venezuelan Bolivar used to be worth the U.S. equivalent of a dollar. Uh, the last time I checked the U the Venezuelan Bolivar was worth one tenth of one penny uh, to the point where it became literally cheaper to wipe your butt with bolivars than to use it to buy toilet paper. And that's not an exaggeration. That is a fact. It was cheaper to use your money in Venezuela to wipe your butt than to use it to buy toilet paper. And that's not an exaggeration. So, and that's unfortunately the road we're going down and I, I don't see where it ends. Anyway, in Israel last Wednesday, a 25 year old female soldier single-handedly killed five Hamas terrorists by herself and distributed guns to other members of the kibbutz where she had gone to guard them. Uh, she didn't realize when she was sent to guard them that there was going to be a, a terrorist attack. And here's a quote from the story. The Hamas terrorists were no match for an intrepid 25-year-old Israeli woman who saved an entire kibbutz from harm by leading a group of residents to kill more than two dozen advancing terrorists, including five she killed herself. Inbar Lieberman, the security coordinator of kibbutz near Iman, since December, two, so I guess she was assigned there. She was like the security guard. Um, 
heard explosions early Saturday morning when the terrorists launched their unprecedented attack on the Jewish state. She realized that the sounds were different than those she had heard during the usual rocket attacks on the kibbutz. Um, so Lieberman rushed to open the kibbutz's armory, distributed guns to the 12 member security team and coordinated their decisive response amid the unfolding attack. She placed her squad of kibbutznik, they call them kibbutzniks, in strategic positions across the settlement and set up ambushes that caught the gunmen off guard and turned the tables on the turned the tables on them during their mission to inflict mass casualties. Lieberman killed five terrorists by herself while the others gunned down 20 more over four hours as they turned the kibbutz into an impenetrable fortness. Um, anyway, so that's the, uh, that's the feel good story of the week, I think. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So it, uh, yeah, never uh, underestimate the power of a determined woman with a gun, right? <laughs> anyway, any anything more you want to talk about before we move on? Nope. All right. Good for her. All right. Um, you know, I always say at the intro, we're going to tell you about stories you didn't hear about on TV. I'm going to tell you the next two stories I believe are huge stories that I, you know, I watch two or three news shows every day without fail. I, I haven't missed a, a day without watching the, watching the national news in months. And I have not heard this story, the one that follows. And you tell me if you heard this on the evening news. So I think these are both huge. And I'm going to ask why we didn't hear about them. So when you work for the White House and get suspended from your position without pay, that would indicate that you have done something seriously wrong, possibly even criminal in nature. So why is it that none of the national news networks besides Fox have reported the story of the U.S. envoy to Iran being suspended without pay and also being the subject of an FBI investigation for mishandling classified information? Now, the U.S., since we don't have diplomatic relations with Iran. We don't have an ambassador to Iran, but we do have a U.S. envoy. So he's the guy that, you know, is like the go-between, but he's, but it turns out that this guy apparently has been sharing with Iran classified U.S. military information, and he's being investigated by the FBI. Don't you think that was newsworthy? newsworthy? Absolutely. Did you hear about it on TV? I did not hear about that. You didn't hear about it. You didn't read about it. So the fact that our envoy to Iran, U.S. envoy to Iran, has been suspended without pay and is a subject of a criminal investigation concerning his handling of classified information, I think is a huge story. And for yeah. the life of me, I don't know why the dominant media didn't think you needed to hear about that story. Um, it just boggles my mind. So anyway, so we're going to move on to the next story you didn't hear about TV. Now, how many times have we heard... President Biden and his press secretary, Jean-Pierre, whatever her name is, uh, continually claim that Vice President Biden has never discussed his son's Hunter's his his son's Hunter's business dealings and had no knowledge of his son's business dealing. You've heard that, right? He's that's been yeah. repeated over. Yep. He said it, his press secretary said it over and over and over. Well, as a result of a Freedom of Information Act request <clears throat> placed with the National Archive. Four copies of emails between Hunter Biden and his son while he for the eight year period while he was vice president. Uh, the National Archives has come back now. They haven't released the actual emails yet, but they said uh, we're going through them. We have to you know, we have to scan them for classified information, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but they gave them a count of how many emails were exchanged between Vice President Joe Biden 
and his son Hunter while he was vice president. You want to take a guess at how many emails they came up with? Uh, I have no idea. Try 29,000. Oh, I was going to guess a couple thousand, but not that many. Now, by the way, if we take eight years, now eight years, 365 times eight, um, eight, eight times 300 is uh, what, 2,400. That's, that's almost 10 emails a day on average, including Saturday and Sunday. 10 emails a day. Now, if he wasn't talking business, I mean, was it whether about the weather or was it about the family picnic? Doubtful. Uh, so 29,000 emails over an eight-year period between Vice President Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. And, and not once did they involve anything about... Uh, hunter's business well you know do, do you do you have any relatives you email with on a regular basis oh yeah every day you, you do 10 a day you do 10 a day every day uh probably not that many i'd say at max maybe three a day and when you do the and when you do they're typically they're not about the weather or about uh the family picnic are they uh occasionally family gatherings right but 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 again it, it just strains credibility that he did 29,000 emails and yet with a straight face of saying, I have no knowledge of my son's business dealing. I never discussed him with Hunter. So my, so my question is this, as with the previous one, why didn't the national news media think you needed to hear about the story? Do you, uh, producer Susan, do you think that's a newsworthy story? Uh, yeah, that, that seems pretty excessive to me. Pretty excessive. So anyway, we won't know more until the national archives actually releases those emails, but unfortunately they're going to slow roll it. Uh, I guarantee you, you won't see that. You won't see them before the election because they're saying, well, we have to go through each and every one to scan them for, you know, mm -hmm. potentially classified information. So they're not going to release those emails before the next election. But um, if you, if you think Joe Biden had no knowledge of what his son Hunter was doing or wasn't involved, remember he's the big guy that got 10%, right? 10% yeah. big guy. Mm -hmm. Um, if you still think that Joe Biden had no knowledge of what his son was involved in or was an active participant in what his son was doing, um, you are the definition of naive. Mm -hmm. All right. That stupid. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Let's talk about illegal immigrants from the Middle East entering the U.S. And I think I'm, I mentioned this briefly last week. But here's some data. In the two year period from October of 2021 to October of 2023, more than 63,000 illegal immigrants from the Middle Eastern countries like Yemen, Iran, Syria, Egypt, Turkey, and Afghanistan, Turkey, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Pakistan were apprehended by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol attempting to enter the U.S. illegally. Now, you can add to that 63,000, the number, uh, that figure, the number that had crossed in this country and evaded capture by CBP. Now, by the way, the fact that they were apprehended doesn't mean they were expelled. They were simply apprehended photographed, fingerprinted, issued a notice to appear uh, and released into the interior United States. So there are at least 63,000 uh, immigrants from the Middle East that we know about that were released into the U.S. And by the way, 70% of them were military-aged young men. So is that scary? Yeah, okay. it is. Um, and here's a quote, by the way, um, uh, and were any of the 63,000 from the Middle East dangerous? Well, other than the 151 people who were apprehended by the CBP in, in 2023 that were on the FBI's terror watch list, 
We have no way of knowing how many of those 63,000 were potentially dangerous because here's a quote. Border Patrol sources have told Fox they have extreme concerns about the people coming across from special interest countries, given they have little to no way to vet them. Unless they have committed a crime in the United States or, or on, a, on a federal watch list, agents have no way of knowing their criminal history because their countries do not share data with the U.S., so there's nothing to match their name against when authorities run their fingerprints. So what they're saying is, yeah, they can capture this guy. He can tell him my name is, you know, John Smith and I'm from Turkey, but, you know, he could be Abdul Lamar from Syria. And they have no way of validating that. And neither Turkey nor Syria will, you know, if they if they run their fingerprints through Interpol, there's nothing to match them against. So they have no idea if these people that they're processing and releasing have any prior criminal history or, you know, or are known terrorists. So that, that's it's I just find that incredibly scary. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And, and here's an example, by the way. I'm going to move on. To, I mentioned in the intro about uh, an illegal immigrant murdering two U.S. citizens. So last week, um, all right, well, let's go back. A month ago, we were talking about the illegal immigrant who escaped from Pennsylvania prison after he had been convicted of murdering his girlfriend in this country, after he had previously murdered his prior girlfriend in his home country, Brazil. We remember that story, right? Mm -hmm. So he was in this country legally. He was a double murderer. He murdered his girlfriend in Brazil and he murdered his girlfriend here in the United States. And But sadly, incidents like that are not rare. And in the past five years, hundreds of hundreds, hundreds of Americans have been killed by illegal aliens. Um, and uh, by the way, and you know, some of these MS-13 gang members, uh, this guy in Pennsylvania, the guy I'm going to talk about next, and I'm including also, by the way, illegal aliens who become drunken drivers and, and kill people on the road because they're, they're, they're driving without a license, never passed a road test. They're drunk. They have no insurance and they're killing people in car crashes. So uh, the last time I looked, we had over 300 Americans killed by illegal immigrants. But here's one that uh, just really makes me shake my head and it illustrates um, just how insecure our borders are. In Nashville last week, an illegal alien who had previously been deported not once, but twice, had just been charged with a second murder in that city. So this is his third time in the country. And so he's come across illegal every time. He came in, got deported. Well, obviously you've been deported. You can't come in and say you're climbing asylum. So he mm -hmm. snuck in a second time, got deported a second time, snuck in a third time, wound up in Nashville where he murdered two different people on two different days in the same week. So uh, what what makes me ask the question, have you ever heard when the liberal, you know, liberals are saying, well, we need to do this because if it, it because the cost is justified if it would quote, only save one life. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. We need to, we need to make this, we need to spend a million dollars to make this bike lane because it would only save one life. Or we need to put this new three day waiting period on for, to buy a gun because what if it, because it's justified if it would only save one life. Uh, I, I've heard that by the way, in yeah. respect to waiting periods. Yeah. If, well, if it only saved one life, you know, it's, it's justifiable. Well, Whatever happened to the liberal that liberal war cry, we need to do X, even if it would only save one life. Because in this case, X 
would be securing our borders against illegal entry by unauthorized and potentially dangerous people. And let me give you some another perspective. So Biden is in the process of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents, 87,000. Do you know how many total employees the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol has in total? Uh, not, not nearly enough. Well, the total is only 17,000, and they're not all on the U.S. border. If you ever watch this show to catch a smuggler, mm -hmm. every major airport has Customs and Border Patrol. Let's take JFK as an example. There's easily 100 Border Patrol agents assigned to JFK, probably more, because you've got the three terminals, which operate 24-7. So mm -hmm. you've got three or four per terminal per shift. And then you've got the big cargo facility where they have to examine and x-ray and open all the incoming cargo. So I, I'd be stunned if JFK, just as an example, over a seven-day period because of three shifts a day, three shifts a day, didn't have uh, at least a hundred there. Then you take Miami, you take mm -hmm. all the cruise ship terms, you take the port of Los Angeles, the port of Newark, the port of San Diego. They've all got customs and border people. Well, if you if you assume that half of those seventeen thousand are doing airport and port duty then you've only got about 9,000 people in total doing border security. And because the border security is, again, a seven-day, 24-hour day job, mm -hmm. even if you assume that 9,000 people are assigned to border security at any one time because of the seven-day week, only about a third of them, only 3,000 are going to be patrolling the border at any given time. So before we hire 87,000 IRS agents, how about we hire another uh, 50,000 border patrol agents. Yeah. All right. I'm we had a similar conversation. I believe it was last week with respect to the, I, you know, the IRS, the, you know, not needing, we don't, we how don't need IRS agents. Did we hire? Well, they were in the process of hiring 87,000. Yeah. Yet we're not getting any new border patrol agents. Yeah. So if you ever needed any indication that uh, the administration that's serious about securing our border that's yeah. it. What if you just cut that back by one third? What if you say, okay, instead and of yeah, IRS tax returns yeah. are all going digital. Right. Yeah. IRS, instead of 87,000, you could have 67,000. We're going to take the other 20,000 and double the size of customs border patrol. All right. I don't want to run out of time here. Anyway, um, every year the FBI releases its, its national summary of all the uh, crime data from all the local, all the police departments uh, have this automated system. Whenever they book somebody and arrest somebody, they complete a form which gets transmitted to the FBI. So here's some data. The FBI crime statistics for 2022 came out yesterday. And here's some interesting data from that report. Number one, despite a tripling of the number of guns in this country since 1993, we've gone from 130 million guns in 1993 to 400 million guns this year or last year, the number of gun homicides has declined by 24% from 18 more than 18,000 in 1993. 93 <clears throat> to less than 14,000 last year. And even more striking, the gun homicide rate also declined by more than 40%. It went from seven people per 100,000 in 1993 to just 4.12 last year. So you know, you've, you've, heard, you've heard people, liberals say, more guns equal more gun deaths. Well, mm -hmm. no, they don't because we've tripled the number of guns and the gun homicide rate and the absolute number of people killed by guns have both fallen dramatically while the number of guns have tripled. So no, if anybody tells you more guns equal more gun deaths, it's a it's a documented lie. Mm -hmm. Now let's go some deep a little deeper. People, oh, assault, we need to ban a quote, assault weapons, assault weapons. Well, out of um, uh, out of those deaths, 
you know how many um how many uh out of those 13,950 do you know how many were committed with a rifle of any kind including but not limited to assault rifles you want to take a guess uh i'll say a thousand too high 664 which is less than five percent less than five percent of the people killed by uh, a gun in this country were killed by a rifle the other 95 percent were killed by handguns um now let's see who else let's see what what else motor vehicles were used to criminally murder 1135 people blunt objects clubs baseball bats lead pipes accounted for 355 and cutting instruments sharp knives screwdrivers were used in 553 homicides. How about that? Uh, now, you want to hear who's getting killed and who's doing the killing? Who? Well, there were 18,785 criminal homicides, almost 20,000 criminal homicides, out of which 9,874, which is 52.6%, were African-American victims, which, by the way, African-Americans account for 12.5% of the population, general population, but they counted for almost 53% of the homicide victims. And um, nearly 70% of the population of the United States are Caucasian white victims, including white Hispanics, uh, and they accounted for only 42%. Uh, the remaining 3% were split between uh, Asian uh, Asians, Native Americans, and Pacific Islanders, only uh, uh, only 432 in total. Now, for those homicides where the race of the offender was known, now not every homicide is solved, so the number of offenders doesn't match the number of victims, but out of those 18,785 homicides, they identified the rate, the attacker in 17,000 cases, and out of those 17,000, 9,429, which is 55%, were African Americans, and 42% were white offenders. So what you have is the majority of the victims and the majority of the offenders are African-Americans. So is there a black on black crime? Yes, black on black crime accounts for more than half of the homicides in this country. And that is new, by the way, that is a statistic that has been in existence year after year after year. And it's sad. And yes, black on black violence is a real thing. And the biggest danger to a black man in this country is another black man. Uh, do you have any yeah. thoughts or? Yeah, that, that's very unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's true, but unfortunate. But a lot of people either are not aware or won't acknowledge that black on black violence is responsible for more than half of the murders in this country every year. All right. How much time we got? Uh, we only have a, a couple minutes left. All right. Well, then we're going to jump right into our taxpayer relief shot where a good guy or a good woman with a gun. Uh, kills the bad guy, saving the taxpayers, the cost of the uh, the jury trial and 10 years in prison. Here we go. This is from Sonoma's County, Washington. I'm going to back this up here. Oh, here we go. They say an 80-year-old woman is shot and killed a home intruder while trying to protect her husband. This happened at their home on Woods Lake Road near Monroe in rural Snohomish County. Cabo 7's Rob Munoz is live there right now. And Rob, you've just interviewed law enforcement on the scene. Yeah, see, we talked to him just about 15 minutes ago. We know that 75-year-old homeowner is in stable condition at Harborview tonight after being airlifted there. Now, this house is actually just less than a mile from where I'm standing down this road, completely blocked off as detectives gather. Now, we also just got video from a neighbor who saw police swarming this house from across the road near Highway 2 near Sultan. Now, Snohomish deputies told us just after 845 tonight, a 25-year-old from Gold Bar broke into a house on Woods Lake Road. And after he got in, they told 
as he stabbed the 75-year-old homeowner, but it was his 80-year-old wife who shot, who came to help him and shot and killed that suspect. Now, also home at the time was the couple's adult son. The homeowner was airlifted to Harborview again, where he is in stable condition right now. Uh, his wife was protecting her home and husband. I asked what happens here concerning her use of that gun. Major crimes will investigate. And at the end of the investigation, any charges that they might recommend would be forwarded to the prosecutor and it would be up to the prosecuting attorney to, to decide if any charges should be, should be filed. Now, deputies and detectives are still investigating all of this. This just happening about less than three hours ago. We'll be having updates as they get as we get them, and we'll continue to report on them all night. So, what do you think? You think she they're going to charge her? Doubtful, but good for her for defending herself at eighty years old. Yeah, I mean, and a twenty and a seventy-five year old man, an eighty-year-old woman would stand zero chance against a twenty-five-year-old guy armed with a knife. So, again, the detectives talk about the great equalizer. Without that gun, they might both be dead right now. Anyway, mm -hmm. other than that, uh, we're running out of time, so I'll make it short. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments or you want to just uh, send them to Joe at jerseyjoe.com. The website is uh, J-E-R-Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com, one R, Z, and two E's, jerseyjoe.com. Be happy to answer your questions, and um, hopefully uh, you'll come back and listen next week. Uh, Producer Susan, anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, finally enjoying this nice, cool weather. All right. Hopefully you talk to you next week. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Here we go.